The word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are back at the Beatitudes again. We hear them every All Saints Day, and every three years, as we hear of Jesus initially making himself known during his public ministry, we spend a few Sundays of Epiphany hearing parts of his first sermon in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. So we're back at the Beatitudes again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, and all the rest. As a quick reminder, the wrong way to read the Beatitudes is as a list of if-then propositions, as in, if I am poor in spirit, then I will inherit the kingdom of heaven. It might be a formula for good behavior, but it's poison if you're looking for salvation and comfort, not to mention actually inheriting the kingdom of heaven. We can avoid turning these into if-then propositions, as in, I am saved because I am meek, as long as we remember that these qualities are found in Jesus and given by Jesus. In fact, it is good to read these through the lens of Jesus, the suffering servant, in Isaiah 61, which begins, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, declares the Christ, the servant of Isaiah 61, because the Lord has anointed me. These aren't just poetic words. These are epiphany words. You heard this happen three Sundays ago when God the Father anointed his Son with the Holy Spirit at his baptism 
where the Spirit remained on Jesus, and the Father said, This is my beloved Son. And what did the Father anoint his Son with the Spirit to do? He anointed his Son to bring good news to the poor. They would be those who are poor because they suffer a poverty of holiness. They're sinners in need of cleansing, in need of forgiveness. That's why the Son goes to the cross to deliver them from sin and death. And now what does the Son say in our gospel reading? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is theirs because the Father anointed his Son with the Spirit to bring good news to them. Good news of salvation. Back in Isaiah 61, the Father anointed the Son to comfort those who mourn in Zion. That would be all who mourn man's sin and rebellion against God, all who repent of their own sin. And what does the Son say in our Gospel reading? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They will be comforted because he takes their sins to the cross and suffers his Father's wrath in their place. What a huge consolation to know that God no longer holds your sins against you. In Isaiah 61, the father anoints his son to give his people a double portion of land instead of shame, and so they rejoice in their lot. Here in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, which is, you've got to say, a generous double portion. The meek are humble, not proud or insisting on their own way, because they know that the way of their own sinful nature is the way of eternal death. By the grace of God, they instead trust in the way of the suffering servant, the one who, anointed by the Holy Spirit, submits to his Father's will and sheds his blood in their place. In Isaiah 61, the Father anointed his Son with the Spirit so that his people might be called oaks of righteousness, strong and immovable as his people. And what does the Son say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are those who know that they do not have it in themselves, but they are satisfied by the Son because he gives them all the righteousness they need. In Christ, they are strong like oaks. He doesn't get them started on the way to righteousness, but no, Jesus forgives them all their sins. So they are blessed. So they are saved and redeemed. So blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In fact, let's push that a little bit further and say something that might sound a little outrageous at first. It is a blessing to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek, and to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because all of those are different ways of saying the same thing. They say, blessed are those who are repentant, because they are forgiven for their sins. Forgiven for their sins, they follow in the footsteps of Jesus, the anointed servant of Isaiah 61. Because the Christ has been so merciful to them, They are now merciful to others. And because they do not harden their hearts and destroy their faith by being unmerciful, they shall receive more mercy. 
Because Christ has given them pure hearts by bearing their sin away, they are pure in heart and kept holy by his grace. And because they are holy, they will see God in his glory and rejoice in everlasting life. Because the Lord has made peace with them by bearing their strife to the cross and forgiving their sins, they seek to make peace and bring Christ's peace to others. And because they do not harden their hearts by returning to impenitence and hostility, in Christ God calls them his beloved children. Now, following in the footsteps of Jesus, they are persecuted and reviled for the sake of Jesus and his righteousness. But they know that Jesus suffered and died to redeem them. And they know that he shares in their sufferings as he has allowed them to share in his. And so they count it all joy when they are persecuted for his sake, because it is an honor that the world so closely identifies them with him. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, not because they earn it by suffering, but because by God's grace they hold fast to the king who wore a crown of thorns to be their savior. We said before that it is a blessing to be poor in spirit, to mourn, to be meek, and to hunger and thirst for righteousness, even without the rewards that come along with them, because it is a blessing to be repentant and forgiven. Likewise, it is a blessing to be merciful, pure in heart, and making peace, because this is what faith does. Faith mirrors and proclaims what Christ has done for his people. It is even a blessing to be persecuted and reviled, because Christ shares in your sufferings. That is why you are poor in spirit, right? It is why, constantly aware of your sinful nature, you're quick to acknowledge your sin Rather than explain why what you did wasn't wrong or at least wasn't your fault, it's why you never compare yourself to others so that you can feel superior. It's why you never fall into the trap of thinking that God must love you because there's just something about you and yourself that's lovable to him. Right? It is why you mourn sin. You never revel in your anger or hold a grudge. You don't compartmentalize your heart and justify that some sins are necessary. You never keep a sin around as a guilty pleasure or a necessary evil. You never cheer someone for doing the wrong thing because it advances your interests or owns your opponents. Right? And it's also why you're meek. You don't insist on your own way, even if you haven't gotten your own way for a while, or even if your way is clearly better. You don't demand a break or position yourself to profit at the expense of others. You don't bully or use your passive-aggressive skills to discourage someone else to get your way. Right? And it's why you're always hungering and thirsting for righteousness, which is to say that you're always in pursuit of more of Jesus in his word and sacraments. You never grow bored with worship. You never drift into a daydream during the sermon. You never find a reason to put off personal devotions or prayer in favor of something else. Right? Which is why you're always ready to show mercy, even to those who have really made you miserable. And why you'd so rather be pure in heart that lust or covetousness or bitterness don't stand a chance of getting started. And why you're quick to make peace with your enemies, even when they show no sign of wanting peace with you. 
It's why you're ready to be reviled and persecuted for the sake of Jesus, rather than maybe change your behavior and your creed so that you can avoid it. Right? And to think that, despite the answers you know to the questions I've just given, you may still be tempted to hear the Beatitudes as an if-then statement. If you do these things well enough, you will be blessed. To keep the message of Jesus from the last two weeks alive and well, repent. Repent of all those sins, sure, but more than that, Stop thinking the blessings of our gospel lesson are found in anything but Jesus. They are all in Jesus, and so they are all for you. The Son, who was anointed with the Spirit by his Father, has joined you to himself by your baptism in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit. He clothes you in his righteousness. He frees you from your sin, and he exchanges all you lack with the riches of his grace. The sinless Son of God became the servant who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame. For his sake you are neither lost nor despised. No one Christ, blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.